All right, and welcome back to Games Under Grace, a video game podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the host, and I have with me Derek, Malachi, and David. Everyone's here. Enter your Smash Bros. memes now. Um, anyway, we're all writers for the video game department at uh, geeksundergrace.com, a Christian-led website for geek culture. Um Basically, anything related to culture, video games, movies, TV shows, books, I think, as well. Um, board games, all, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, basically, we just get together and talk about video games and maybe some other stuff. Um, we pretend to wax poetic when really it's just like, Man, I really love video games. Oh my goodness, someone give me a space to talk. That's basically it. Uh, and just to let you guys know, today's a very special Games Under Grace episode, as currently the Buccaneers are winning 31-9 to against... I don't know who the team is. I don't really follow football, so I apologize. Uh, but it's yeah. Tom Brady against everybody else, and Tom Brady is winning again. <laughs> Chiefs? I'm really exposing the fact that none of us watch football. Well, I mean, I guess I could make a joke about how Tom Brady is on his seventh New Game Plus run or something. Uh, yeah, make it relatable. Oh, when I was in graduate school, we hosted the Super Bowl, and we got five days off school. It was canceled for the national holiday, meaning we were hosting the Super Bowl, and they wanted to sell the parking lot. Dang, I would have liked That's that. Good deal right there. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, once again, uh, we're all here. Oh my goodness, it's a milestone. Everybody's here. Uh, this is probably the biggest milestone so far. Uh, the next one will be 100 subscribers, I suppose. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, we'll just start off. Um, we're first going to just talk about uh, what we've been doing since the last podcast. Uh, David, since you've been gone the longest... Uh, since the last time you showed up, why don't you start? I haven't been playing that much recently, just I've been busy. But I've been primarily playing... Um... I forget what I've been playing. Uh, Trails in the Sky and Final Fantasy VII Remake again. Oh, yeah. Uh yeah. I have a question about this because David talks to um, every NPC as much as possible. And Trails is famous for having characters that say different things over and over. So I want to know what's the times you ever had to talk to a character before you got a repeat? Like, what was the longest sequence of the same character saying different stuff? I think just two. Like, starting at the third time, they start repeating things. So, Derek looking visibly perturbed by your statement. I feel like there's going to be some some threes later. That'd be nice. Uh oh, oh so is that it? Or Yeah, I've been playing just off and on other games like Smash Bros and Solus 128. David busy being an actual productive human being to play video games. What? Let's shame him. Against my will. Wait, what's that last game you were talking about? Solus 120. 
it's a uh, puzzle game that's deflecting beams of light to get them to across the map. It's the game I'm actually going to be reviewing and trying to finish it up today. I'm just looking that was at fast. it right now. Uh, why is now it... FF7? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm I'm just looking it up on the side, and I'm wondering why it keeps giving me Commodore 64 reviews. I don't. I'm very confused. Yeah, that doesn't look like a puzzle game to me. Uh, I don't know. So David uh, for FF7. Oh, sorry. No, go go ahead. It's fine. For FF7R, are you doing a platinum run, or are you just playing it again just because? Yeah, the my end goal is a platinum. But I'm also playing it just because I love it. That's fair. Um, all right. Uh, Malachi, uh, how about you? How's your week been going? Or uh, two weeks? It's been... Uh, we're still adjusting. So I mentioned, I think, a little while back that I moved out recently and some out of my own for the first time in a while. We are, I think, just this week beginning to hit the isolation and city by yourself kind of blues. So, uh, and honestly, like, haven't been using video games that much as an escape mechanism because I've hit the point where I'm determined to beat a game, but I also am, am so determined to beat it that I'm beginning to hate the game a little bit. So, uh, we're in level or world eight of Cluster Truck. In the Hell world, it's literally called that. And currently, the struggle with the giant truck demon is just too analogous to my struggle to wake up every day and go to work. And so it's getting a little depressing. So I think I'm going to pick up something fun like Metal Wolf Chaos for this next week, just so I can have a good time shooting at the vice president in my giant mech suit, because that sounds more fun to me. Hey, man. Um, but besides that, yeah. I got uh, I got some pet rats. So I have four little rats over in the corner right now in the cage who are just kind of vibing and they're making my existence a little more joyful. So that's nice. That's what we're up to. Man, all of you I have, have a lot of advice. <laughs> One at a time. So is this gonna just gonna be the episode where Derek and I uh fight for vocal dominance then? Isn't that every episode? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> I true. Think part of Part of it is I can't see Sam's camera for some reason, so I have no idea when he's going for it. Okay. Um, but I was just going to say I have a lot of advice for Malachi about moving to a new city, but none of it's valid in COVID era. Oh, yeah, I'd love to go out and meet people, but it's illegal to do that now, so is it hang out with rats. Is it actually where you are right now? Not literally illegal, but I, I'm a first responder, and I know the COVID situation is really bad. So yes, I could go to a bar, but my conscience would not allow me to do that. Oh, okay. So, or I don't know. I'm not going to bars. I'll go to a tabletop gaming area or something. I mean, that's good. I mean, like you're you are like uh, much more essential than most than a lot of other positions right now. So that's good because um, I know there are people. Who would probably break a lot of rules just to like try to <laughs> unwind. Uh, probably a better reason why you should just get into video games instead. But uh, yeah, it's safe. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. Derek, why don't you go next so I don't interrupt you? So last time we talked, I uh, was pretty harsh on Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus, but I'm pretty far into I'm 14 hours into it now. I'm definitely in the back half. And I would say that it's not worth any Game of the Year awards, but I really like it. I, basically, it is kind of a Cold Steel clone. They, they used all the same systems and everything for a different story. They even copied one character, basically, exactly. Um, they changed it to an action RPG, but a lot of the equipment systems are the same. But the systems that Falcom's made for that series, like the social systems and the equipment systems and leveling, are so good that it's just like comfort food. So even though it's not mind-blowing, I'm really enjoying it. I also beat Iconoclast on the Switch, which that was a drag to finish. However, I will say there was a scene towards the end of that game. I won't spoil it, but it is the most soul-crushing thing I've ever witnessed in a video game. Um, basically, you something sucks in the game, but they don't tell you it's going to happen. And rather than having like a cutscene, you have to figure out that you're screwed. And it was it was rough. Um, but this is when I started on the Switch. I started um, the first Phoenix Wright game, which is the first visual novel I've ever played. Uh, so I beat the first story there. And I really like it. It is it is really cool. And you know, as a mathematician, I enjoy kind of the logic deduction aspect of it. But as far as I can tell, you can't actually lose. You just when you do something wrong, it's just like try again, which I'm sure is how it goes in a real court of law. Yeah. Also, some some of the stuff they do has got to be illegal in real life. Like, hey, let's go get a drink with my boss after work or with the client. And I don't know. I don't guess I don't know how lawyering really works in real life, but it, it seems a little sus. It's less fun than Phoenix Wright, as I've come to understand. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, with Phoenix Wright, you kind of just got to take the fun as it comes along, because if you just try to keep uh, pointing out everything wrong with that series, you're just going to have a worse time than a good time. So I'd say just go along with it. Um, it is kind of unfortunate, like, with how fail states are handled in that game because it's basically like during investigation you really can't fail because you just get stuck although i guess in a way that can be considered a fail a fail state uh, in terms of like old or uh somewhat old point and click adventures although i know um when those first when like the first ones came out there were certain times where you could actually just fail the game and not continue at all because you used the wrong item in the wrong place if i remember correctly um that being said yeah i mean um phoenix right is a good time uh i will say like I, i've pretty much played all of them by this point and i will definitely say um i think the older ones uh, hold up a lot more than the newer ones on 3DS. Um, if only just because it's like uh, I like the tone a lot more. It's treated like somewhat more seriously compared to um, compared to the tone in the newer games. Although I guess in another way it's like it could be considered more more fun and consistent with its writing maybe. Um but I think like uh, the third one, Trials and Tribulations, uh, whenever you get to that game, as well as um, the the semi sequel, um, 
Apollo Justice are some of the better ones, but I will say it's probably it's probably Trials and Tribulations, uh, at least for me, that's like my most favorite out of the out of those older ones. Um, but yeah, that's surprising to hear that uh, you've actually never played it, and on top of that, it's also your first visual novel game, so that's interesting. Uh, I guess I like having the combat there to make me feel like I'm doing something, even though it's on easy mode, and it's mostly just for me to feel powerful. <laughs> I don't know. But also, I'm kind of intimidated. Most of these visual novels, are like we have another writer in Backlog Golf, and she keeps talking about how these things are like 80 hours long. And I'm like, if it's 80 hours long and it's only text, I, like I feel like I would just read a novel novel and not a visual novel. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's like it's really just another book in a different format, right? Like that's all it really is, and that can be considered uh, good as opposed to worse. Because, I mean, like, at the very least, you're probably still writing. Although, um, me personally, uh, I'm rather iffy when it comes to visual novel games. Um, though I have played some on my own. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like, if you enjoy your time with it, then I'd say you're still enjoying... Um, you're still enjoying a game, just not just a very atypical one to most other video games. Um, that being said, it it might be considered a little egregious to have to pay full video game price for a visual novel game. So I don't know about that. Uh, that's another discussion um, and not one I can really handle personally. Um, Kind of like the discussion of like what makes a game versus pretty much a movie you vaguely interact with. It's there's a thin, there's a fine line, I think. Mm -hmm. True. Uh, oh, sorry, Derek, was that it for you? I was just gonna say you're right that like books and movies and games are kind of bleeding together, just like genres. But I think that's probably a good thing. I think the, that kind of leaves some space for creativity on those mediums rather than saying this has to be this, this has to be that. Um, yeah, as far as the price, I can't remember how much I paid, but it was on sale, and it was three visual novels in one, so I, I felt like that was fine. Yeah, and I mean, at least like with Phoenix, right, you still are like taking active involvement for the most part, even if a lot of it is somewhat scripted. So, and I mean, at, at this point, I'm pretty sure that trilogy is rather cheap, so you're kind of getting a lot out of it anyway. Um yeah, that's cool. Uh, so is it to me now, or Samuel? How's your week been? Uh, kind of tiring. Um, uh, since our last episode, I had officially started uh, working at my new job. Um, very long hours. I'm coming in. I'm coming back home, like around. Midnight or one. Uh, often, there's there'll be overtime at least, so it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and it also means I kind of have to like spend my mornings and mornings and afternoons kind of like hitting the ground running. Basically, um, it's pretty hectic, I'm, and I'm still trying to get used to it because I'm really not used to these types of hours before. Uh, but you know, we'll I'll. 
I'll get there because there's stuff I want to do, and it's not going to happen if I take it too easy. So, um, that being said, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to do too much with, or, or rather, I didn't get to make too much progress with um, <clears throat> uh, the silver case, which I was planning to do for my review by the time. By the time I'm back in March, um, we'll just have to see how that goes. Uh, I did, I did actually get through the next chapter earlier today. Actually, actually, I I literally just finished the first chapter about an hour ago from now. Um, wow. Uh, I don't know what to say. That game story got insane really fast. Um. I don't know I don't know if I should talk about it because it is gonna be spoilers I mean uh do do you guys want to hear anything at all about void plate so far or yeah okay so uh so the next chapter of silver case is called decoy man and um uh for any anyone who's been a fan of Suda Fifty One, uh, knows that that knows that title. It's come up a couple of times in some of his other games as well. Um, it's a recurring thing. I, I'm not entirely sure if it means anything, but it is one of the staples that that comes up once in a while. Um, and basically, uh, your care your character at this point, um, after the first chapter in which you were trying to capture. Um, es escaped serial killer uh, Kamui um, you basically went into emotional shock and have been rendered mute uh, which is a somewhat clever somewhat clever not so clever way of of excusing you as a silent protagonist um, and then you become involved with uh, the heinous crimes unit which basically just handles um i i guess it's just a level above whatever whatever the most um extreme crimes are registered in within law enforcement uh so you you become involved with that with this unit to try to capture kamui who's still on the loose and like i said um that that story unfolds really quickly and it hits hard pretty fast. I was genuinely surprised by what happened by the end. Um, so, uh, spoilers for anyone. Well, actually, I don't know. Should I even talk about it? I, I guess it's, I don't know. It's really hard because I, I would have to basically tell what happens in this, uh, in this chapter to really go into detail how extreme it gets uh it's it's basically like um there's like a couple of twists near the end of the chapter that happen as well as some lingering threads that kind of give you an idea of okay maybe this is going to come back in a later chapter and this and you might need to remember it um I think it's pretty interesting how uh, 
how the game like unfolds its story because like uh it's not it's not very typical when it as a visual novel game necessarily um like it's got this weird format like uh your viewer or you know what mm, should i just try to show it hang on one second while you're queuing that up, um, that's interesting. That's the second game recently for me where I had a mute protagonist. Crosscode also did that. Um, although your character gets some speech back as they go. That's not too big of a spoiler. But yeah, I find it a strange thing because it's like, oh, it's a spin on the silent protagonist. But I feel like the point of a silent protagonist is like for a player to kind of insert themselves into that role. And if the character has a personality and has like autonomy but is mute, I mean, that's nice in terms of, like, displaying, I guess, different um, characters with different disabilities. But it also feels kind of like, why have a silent protagonist if you're not using the reason to have a silent protagonist? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm kind of of two minds. But, of course, with only two games, that maybe that's not really a um, thing that's going to be. in the first Half-Life. It's been done before. I don't know. It's it's a way to do it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, like I said, though, like, so, for example, um, this first screenshot, uh, this is the, this is the first chapter of Lunatics. And, um, oops, uh, most of the, most of the exposition is kind of like this. Um, these are essentially what I would call cutscenes. Uh, and, like, it, it's, it kind of reads almost like a manga or a comic book in a way. Um, and like they really play around with these image boxes. It's really interesting. Like um, this one, it's detailing like a previous case of Kamui. And uh, let me just try to find another one. There's a lot of swearing in this game too. So uh, just a heads up. Uh, like I said before, this is this is essentially like a crime drama as a video game. So um, you're making me want to play visual novels now. This looks very much up my alley aesthetically. Yeah. Okay, I think this is later. This is in a future chapter that I haven't gotten to yet. But yeah, it's like it doesn't stay static at all like e even though like everything is confined to this viewer type of thing where like a lot of the exposition is like within this small little text box at the bottom and then most of the images are at the top they really play around with it um and it's almost like like it feels like those cheap vignettes of of like what uh like hacking in the 90s was considered to be like but it, it moves all around it's very dynamic um it's really it's really interesting it's visually striking um as you can see right here the color changes as well there's a lot of not there's a lot of visual nods and cues as well in between uh in between gameplay and cutscenes um like there there's a few moments where like uh, what I'm going to interpret as, I guess, supernatural episodes that your character experiences where 
they kind of see they kind of see premonitions of of people who of of people who are like in danger or something like that um not necessarily as a mechanic but it's just part of the story and part of your character and how they're uh experiencing uh experiencing life um as you continue on in this game uh and like yeah uh, as you can see here in the screenshot as well it's not just like there's an there's hand animated cutscenes, live action footage, some stills as well. They they like they throw every trick in the book to kind of like to kind of mask that this game was probably not very expensive. It was probably made rather cheaply too. Um, although uh, some of these earlier ones, this is a redone. This is redone artwork uh, for the Steam release, so. Um, I think that's really cool too, though, that you can actually switch it uh, to the original art as well. Um, I kind of want to go back to see how it looked uh, in the older in the older art style, just to see if there's any significant changes to that. Maybe kind of like in the um, Halo Remastered collection, you can like change back to the old style. That's kind of neat feature. Yeah, I, I think. I think it's like like it's completely unnecessary, but I think it's such a I think it's such a good move to do, just because it's like it it, it just straight up gives more value to um to like anything that's a remake or a remaster like like games like games like the Halo Remastered Collection and not games like Final Fantasy VII Remake, which for some reason they decided to make a pseudo sequel for whatever reason i'm not really sure why we'll have to see with that one but um so that's that's like the one big thing i played um i will i am happy to report though i have finally finished my first full run of hades last night uh i vanquished hades um wow that yeah that story is really good I'm not going to lie. And that's an excellent uh, motivation to want to keep playing and uh, to like accomplish more runs. Um, although to be honest, I'm kind of exhausted after, after playing it last night. Um, Cause it's just sort of like, uh, what was it? I think I clocked in at about 50 runs or so uh, before finally, uh, finally completing a run. Um, but yeah, um, I mean that's all I can really say. It's a super good game, uh, top to bottom. Uh, it's probably one of the best roguelikes I've ever played. Um, I I think I, I think for me personally, it definitely trumps uh, Binding of Isaac just with its execution and everything. Um, everything feels well balanced no no run feels like too helpless that you that you don't feel like just uh resetting i suppose um and uh i i guess one other game i can talk about as well um a game that I picked real quick up. oh sorry yeah 
a comment about Hades. Um, I'll say before I bought that game, people were talking about the story, and then when I bought it and played it, I was like, there's not much of a story here. But beating the first run, that's when I was like, oh, okay, the story actually is pretty good. Yeah, uh, and I mean, like, you know, uh, with with the many, many deaths I experienced, um, I was definitely getting a lot of narrative uh, and a lot of interaction just, just with that alone. Um, so it, it's just like, it felt like when I completed that run, it definitely felt extremely satisfying. Yet at the same time, I'm also still motivated to uh, go back through it again and just try again uh along with the new mechanic to turn up the heat um which is very fun uh i like those modifiers a lot i think it's an interesting challenge and that you can basically control it yourself too um and, and uh one other game I'm, i want to talk about real quick uh just because it recently got a huge update uh bullets per minute or bpm by uh uh, by Awe Entertainment. Um, it came out... I think it came out last year. Um, and I love... Like, that's also another roguelike, which I also love a lot. Uh, it's a really fun FPS roguelike. Uh, very interesting gameplay style uh, where you have to shoot and reload on the beat. Uh, I, I guess I'll say the skill ceiling is particularly high for that one so if if that's hard to manage then um i would say still give it a try because they actually recently added a practice mode as well as for some reason an even harder difficulty mode um though i feel like the current hard mode is already pretty difficult for for me i i've really only completed one run with the first character of that game but um yeah, this update is pretty big. Um, there's uh, three more levels, um, five new characters, a bunch of other weapons, um, new rooms that you can get uh, in each dungeon level. Uh, they It seems they really expanded upon it. So not only is it performing better, uh, that was one of the things that caused me to kind of shelve that game because uh, on PC... It doesn't run very well. Um, and, like, it was difficult to really want to play again. As much fun I was having with it, like, with my computer, it would take, like, like maybe five minutes, five minutes or something like that just to get it running. Uh, because sometimes it will just crash. So then I have to reboot it. <laughs> So then I have to reboot the program again just to like start it up. Uh, thankfully, it doesn't seem so bad as anymore. Uh, there's still a bit of loading issues. But other than that, it seems to be running a lot better now. Um, so I'm really happy with that. I'm super excited to go through that game again. It's a game I have a lot of fun with, despite how how daunting it it must sound to have to like shoot on the beat. Uh for me personally, it's just a lot of fun to do that. Uh, the music's really good for that too. If it wasn't, it it'll probably it'll probably be really hard to want to keep playing that game if the music wasn't on point. So I'm really happy about that. I'm really excited for on entertainment uh, for just delivering more content and 
it makes me really excited to see what they have up next. Um, I think I've heard of that game before, actually. It looks really interesting. And I'm curious to see. I, I like the idea of rhythm games being a genre that's not just confined to the basic setup of rhythm games, where it's like you have a virtual instrument and you play virtual songs. It's like, hey, we can mix it up a little bit. We've had everything from RPG rhythm games to roguelikes to shooters now. So, like, mixing genres, that's a good deal right there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, there there are two other rhythm shooters. There, uh, one, one of them's already out, and the other, I think, is set to come out later this year that I want to check out. Um, unfortunately, the previous one, I think it's only available in VR, so I'd have to get a headset if I want to try that one. Whip? Um, sorry. You mean a pistol whip? Uh, no. I think it's called something else. I'd have to look it up again. But um, yeah. And and not only that, I think um, rhythm games have come a long way from just like uh hitting notes and then doing it right. Um, I I've said it before, but I think Fuser is probably is probably one of the next next great evolutions of rhythm gameplay honestly uh just like giving the player more power to control the music how they want to and making it more than just like you know oh just hit notes like no here like uh transition into this country hit from this rap song you played or uh add these sound effects to it uh change the tempo and stuff like that it it's really fuser feels really robust that it's like this is still a similar rhythm game compared to previous rhythm games but it feels a lot more fleshed out compared to what we were getting before um and then there's also like you know crypt of the necro dancer which is just like a rhythm roguelike but it's just like you know it's essentially just like a like a dungeon crawler, but with rhythm gameplay in it. And that's really fun too, although it's a little difficult to get into. It's a swing of that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I, I just think it's really cool. I really like music uh, and I really like rhythm games as well. So for me, it's just like, it's not just a new experience. It's also just like getting more of what I love. So I have a question about this with rhythm games because I can play DDR like on heavy and I can do like, oh, what was that game? Uh, hearts, Sayonara Hearts. I understood that as well. Crypt of the Necrodancer and the, the Zelda one, Cadence of Hyrule, I cannot do this at all. Like I can't get past like three feet into the game and I just have to rage quit. Like what am I missing about how these games work? Um, Get good. I'm just um, I knew that was coming. Yeah, I, I mean that is the blanket statement, but I, I think like, uh yeah, I, I mean it's interesting because like, I, I don't necessarily have to think about it like that because I'm just so used to it. Uh, but then again, it's like, even I struggled with Crypt and the Necro Dancer when that game first came out, and like it was tough. It was really tough to get into it, and but I think it's like it's part of it's part of like being able to like somewhat multitask and also being able to like uh keep a natural rhythm in your head while you're playing that game 
I, I think it, I think what it really is, is like, it's mainly the multitasking part where it's like, okay, what are the things that I can just remember, uh, pri primarily with like, without having to give too much thought. And then what are the things I have to focus on? And I think it's sort of just like, you kind of have to decide what do you struggle with more? Do you struggle with the rhythm or do you struggle with like choosing what weapons to get or like which enemies to attack for stuff like that? That makes sense because I remember like way in high school when I was in band class, I would have to focus and sit there and count the beat because I just don't have a natural rhythm. And so I'd have to like, I could do the like notes naturally, but I had to sit there and focus on the rhythm. And here, like you see, don't think about it. I think if you're thinking about it, you're already behind the beat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That's what I was going to say. You have to a point where it's kind of second nature, really. And for me, for game, games like that, you have to keep trying at it. Sometimes put it down for a little, I'll come back to it, and then eventually it clicks and then things get a little bit easier. But for sure. I'll think about it. Yeah. I, I mean, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's hard. Like, like, for me personally, I, I, I like to think that I have a fairly good natural rhythm, um, even though I don't dance a lot. I don't know. Maybe I should. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's like you kind of have to you, – you really, you really just need to boil it down to, like, um, what's the most important thing in that game to, like, get down immediately, which I think for – Crypt of the Necrodancer and the BPM is just like learning how to move on rhythm. And then like the next step would be to learning how to move with purpose on rhythm. Like, like kind of just figuring out like, okay, where's, where do I need to go? What do I need to do? Uh, so it's, it's more just like breaking it down and then stacking everything back up to until eventually you can get to a point where it's like, oh, hey, I can actually play the game now. Because, uh, I mean, like, and I think with roguelikes, it's it's somewhat more difficult because, you know, there are a lot of things out of your control. So it's kind of like having to deal with elements as they come up and then deciding, okay, like, do I want a weapon with more range or... Um, with special properties and stuff like that, or special armor, you, um, you'll just need to. I I mean I I guess like, I I am just reiterating, get good really. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like, it, it's it's really just like, um, taking your time with it and not. And kind of just like fighting that urge to just be like, no, I want instant gratification and take more satisfaction and just like, hey, uh, I learned how to move move in triplet without like screwing up my combo multiplier in um in Krypton the Necrodancer or something like that. Uh and and just take and just take appreciation in the fact that you were able to um, move six steps without screwing up the beat. Um, One step at a time. Yeah. Six, it's like that with fighting games too. So I, I kind of just relate to this mentality a lot, I guess. Uh, 
Oh yeah, and uh, one last thing. Um, as it's been pointed out, uh, except for David's extremely elaborate background, uh, our other backgrounds are not as full. I did get a poster that I was going to put up, but unfortunately, my camera today decided that I need to be darker and bluer for some reason, so I can't show off my very cool uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne poster. Um, I was really excited to have this on the podcast. Unfortunately, I had to take it down because it's just going to look like a big black box on that wall over there. But uh, yeah, this was on Fangamer. It's official merch. Um, I like it a lot. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne is one of my favorite JRPGs. Uh, if not one of my top five favorite games of all time. Um, and the uh, this is your player character, uh, the Demi Fiend here, and then all these other characters around it. Um, SMT fans will know them as the Fiends, and uh, these are... Uh, let me see. Aside from... Oh no, yeah. Actually, these are all optional bosses in the American release of the game. Um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, couldn't really be shown because it doesn't register. Well, like, if I put it back here, like, see, it, it just becomes nothing. It's just a black square. Barely see anything. And I was really upset by that. I was just like, uh, no. I wanted to I wanted to show some gamer pride and put some color into our uh, previews here, but I guess not. I'll, I'll have to see what happened because my webcam settings just like got completely screwed up for some reason. But Did I, did I have anything else? Not really. I mean, I, I played some demos on the Steam Games Festival that's happening right now. Um, I, I would definitely recommend checking that out, actually, because there's a lot of indie games that are set to be coming out uh, in the next few months, I think. Uh, so definitely check that out, especially any of you who might need to do articles in the future or something so uh yeah that's mainly it for me i guess um i had never even heard of fan gamer so now i'm over here looking at merch which i should be honest do, but... the same thing right oh really <laughs> like david, oh, there's... You've... david there's a collector's edition of Stardew valley you got to get on that oh i did already i got it for my sister for her birthday I searched Yakuza, there's nothing on there, so I'm going to imagine the website now. I, I, there might be. I'm not sure. Because, like, um, like uh, the Atlas merch, it mostly had just Persona merchandise on there. And it's like, okay, look, I, got, I don't necessarily have anything against Persona. That's not the problem. The problem is, is like, I was looking for specifically Shin Megami Tensei merch. It, it was like this and one other thing, which was a sweatshirt. And that was even more expensive than this poster. And I wasn't going to get that as much as I wanted to. Um, so, yeah. 
surprisingly, it's kind of difficult to get official merch from Atlas. Actually, that's not that's not Persona related, it seems. So I'm. Um, yeah, I, I've heard you often have to go to actual stores in Japan to get good Yakuza merch. So I'm just surprised that's what it is. Yeah, I'm, I mean, hopefully with the with the recent popularity of that franchise in America, now they'll bring more of that stuff over because there's some honestly awesome merch that Sega has uh, for their franchises. So I would really like to see more of that stuff come over as expensive that might be right now. Well, and, and I think that's the other problem too is because of the current situation with COVID, uh, it, it's probably even more difficult to even bring that over right now, even if they could, but I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh. Yeah, okay, no, that is finally it for me. Um, so we'll just. And that was uneventful two weeks ago. Yeah. You probably play the most games of all of us, honestly. It, it doesn't feel like it, though. That's the thing, but uh, I don't know. I, I Then again, I did have a whole Saturday yesterday, which I did most of this stuff on, so. Um, but with that, uh, we'll just roll straight into news. And. Uh, just going to share my screen again. And we'll do this one first. Uh, Nintendo replacing its multiplayer server system that is almost two decades old. So this explains a lot of things, I suppose. But at the same time, just why? Why, why Nintendo? Um, just why? Why really? Why? Why not update it sooner? Anyway, um, I think that was one of the things Nintendo seems to have always struggled with. But it, they always seem to be like five steps behind, and this explains a lot about it, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things where it costs a lot to do, and you can't immediately see the money you're going to get out of doing it. You know what I mean? Like, would they have really sold that many more copies of Smash if they'd had good servers? Probably not. I, I think people were going to buy a Smash either way, so. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, it's difficult to really describe it in terms of Smash, but I, I think it'd be more accurate if you were to compare it to something like Pokémon Tournament or, um, or even uh, Mario Kart 8. Um, because, like, playing online is really difficult uh, for people who don't live in Japan or Korea. Uh, and most of those Asian countries, really, where the internet's a lot better structured. Um, and, I, I mean, like, uh, it's, it's kind of shocking still to to even look at this and go like, wait, they're working off of software technology that's close to 20 years old. Um, but at the same time, it's also just like, uh, th there's a lot of things to consider when it comes to this stuff. Like it's not just technology, but it's also like the hardware you're using too. And it's just like, um, like, 
uh, Wi-Fi and internet um, in most other countries just isn't structured very well to um, to handle like um, multiplayer online. Really, uh, it 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 does take a lot of work. But the thing is, is like, it's very clearly it's very clearly um, a well justified expense to do. Um, like, you know, that's the reason why Call of Duty uh, still sells very well, even after all this time, uh, despite how how you may feel about that franchise, uh, the quality of their multiplayer uh, defines, uh, defines, like, how popular that game became. Uh, like, you, you really can't fight that either way. Um, so yeah, uh, I would say one of the tricks is that at least, at least this is where I'm coming from. There's less incentive to actually make your multiplayer decent because of how much Nintendo relies on first party content and exclusives because, you know, if you have Xbox and PlayStation, people are going to be eyeing a game that comes out for both of them and will be comparing it frame by frame by frame to see how the multiplayer stacks up in terms of quality on either system. But Smash only comes out on one system, and so you can get players complaining about multiplayer content and how bad it is, but they're still giving you money, and so there really isn't much of a financial incentive to make this better. Um, I think they're feeling the pressure a little bit more nowadays, but still, I can see where they're coming from a little bit, um, where it's like, why would you want to fix it? I mean, people aren't, what are they going to do? not play smash yeah that's true um yeah I, I mean it's just really unfortunate but um uh and and sorry i just realized i've mo i've mostly focused on the cynical part of this article uh i should actually probably focus on the more positive part so um so the system that they are switching to uh from NEX to NPLN. Um, this was actually this was actually being used in um, the Monster Hunter Rise demo, apparently. Um, and uh, it was actually used to see how the system would perform under load. Um, and the, I mean, like, I didn't I didn't use it myself um but I think this is a very that this is a very telling moment where it's like okay um like the the more important thing is that they're finally looking at it and trying to see if they can um uh implement it into other games hard to say if they'll implement it into older games because that's a little bit tougher when the game's finally are uh after the game's already out um but if this system works well enough in monster Hunter rise once that game uh comes out then we'll probably be seeing this um being used in all future releases as well which is good um so you know that's definitely a positive I suppose I suppose of saying better late than never 
than not at all, I guess, is a better way to look at this. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's this has been an issue for a while, and so it's good to say they're making some effort to fix it, even if it's, you know, it's sure done. I mean, I've been done earlier. I'm still looking forward to seeing how multiplayer performs and so on. Mm-hmm. And then, um, let's just move over to this one. Um, th- this is kind of old news, but uh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure anyone who's been uh, lurking Reddit's r r slash Wall Street bets, or just looking on uh, FinTwit uh, at all the hilarious memes that have been coming out about this story as it's developed um yeah um who'd have thunk that that the bargain bin that is physical game stores gamestop would uh would do financially well in its stocks <laughs> um like is is this not it, it isn't the story of gamestop stock value increase just the pure definition of the meme stonks like deeply ironic for sure yeah because uh, when like, i think about gamestop and what direction it was heading it was more of this people have been kind of trying around the idea that the pandemic might kill them or might finally drive them out of business and then this this is the direction they go it it's out of this world honestly nothing but nothing much to say here Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, I mean, like, <clears throat> I, I mean, like, um, it's still difficult to say if it um, if it'll really have any uh, outstanding impact um, in the in stock market trading. But I will say it'll definitely um, it'll definitely leave its mark. Uh, just in many other ways like you know like as the story was developing I, I didn't think too much on it and then seeing how much it was seeing how much stocks were for it uh, like a week and a half ago I'm just sort of kicking myself and it's just like eh, just experiencing buyer's remorse really <laughs> um, just like man should have cashed in on this really but you know, um, the thing is, is like, it, it, it's not even necessarily like it's, it didn't have to be GameStop. It's just that GameStop happened to be the vehicle, um, to push this idea forward into the public eye where it's just like, yeah, um, stock, uh, stock trading, uh, there's a lot more going on with it than, than people thought. And, it's gotten tons of people into stock trading now. Uh, like, and it's for better or worse, it's caused a lot of, it's caused a lot of volatility for, um, r slash, uh, wall street bets as well. Uh, so much so that like their discord channel got taken down. Um, although I, th- I think it might be back up. I'm not entirely sure, it's but it was down to the Reddit and I think the Twitter, maybe but they're all yeah. back i believe yeah and um there there was even uh some changing of the guard 
uh, somewhat where like uh, a good portion of moderators were actually uh, kicked off of Wall Street bets, and then um, and now they had to get replaced with uh, different people as well too. Uh, like it, I mean, honestly, it's just a really wild story. Uh, the the memes of it have been pretty fun though. I mean, like uh, even my brother. <laughs> Uh, he sent me this one meme where it's just like uh, where it's showing uh, GameStop stock value uh, how it increased over over a few days, and then the very next picture is just a Big Bird in like a board meeting room or something like that. Uh, like I I I will say that I think it definitely carries a lot of influence. For sure, but as to whether like um, this will be remembered or not, uh, it's still difficult to say, I suppose. So one of my Star Realms friends is he's retiring this year, but he worked as a trader in New York City for twenty years and is a millionaire. And he said, "This is the craziest thing he's ever seen in twenty years." And he said, "You know, I don't know what's gonna happen to GameStop, but he said he doesn't think this is gonna go away." I mean, we'll see how far it gets with like AMC and other companies, but he kind of said that the genie's out of the bottle a little bit. And it is interesting to see like all the interference from Wall Street and from Robinhood. And like, even when I went to go pay my credit card, Chase was like, be aware of market volatility. Read here if you need further advice. Like, don't go investing wildly. But I, I don't see how any politician can justify jacking with this. The Republicans have always pushed for free market. Democrats have always pushed, you know, against the rich elite. Like everybody should be happy that basically rich can't get richer and hide behind something that isn't as secret as they want it to be. Like there are individual people that are going to get screwed by this because they're bought in and they're not going to sell in time. But like socially, as a like society, I'm glad this is happening. Honestly, yeah. Well, it's interesting too, even with the fallout, because um, with everything that. Uh with everything that the uh, wall street did uh in terms of like trying to bring the value back down um there's a lot of things to consider and it's just like it's even more proof to show that like you know there's a lot of like there's a lot of power um to be had uh getting into this getting into what is essentially a, a gambling game with stocks really uh it's just like it's it's more than just money like you can control information uh you can limit you can limit power uh it, it it's essentially like it's essentially like you're you're playing against uh a, a really awkward um D, D reference here but it's essentially like playing against a dm who just doesn't want you to win and you're trying your hardest yeah, makes- to break the rules. Accurate. I think it definitely sets a precedent. Like there's the fact of people can see more openly that number one, there are ways to gain the stock market that are that don't involve having a lot of money or being involved in these big head funds. And a lot of people have learned a little more about what the head funds look like. That kind of whole process and system has been laid bare. Um, and then a lot of people are in themselves are getting involved in the stock market 
and they're going to be looking for these exploits. And so there's it's interesting to see how things will evolve because it's a game that's been played largely by a select few, and you're going to have a lot of new people entering it who will be doing a lot of things that are fully unexpected, and we'll see how the market responds to it, I guess. So it was an interesting little... It not it's, it's a fluke, but it could possibly be the start of something much more. So I'm curious to see uh, what happens from here. Yeah. Um, well, like Derek said before, we'll have to see how it's going with those other, um, with those other companies that where people are trying to do the same, recreate the same thing. So, uh, I, I suppose, um, for, for those of you watching this podcast, uh, when it comes out, hopefully by that point, you, uh, you're looking into some stocks already. Because uh, I, I think this is probably the best time to do it, where there's probably going to be a lot more information uh, being shelled out just to like uh, get people on this. Don't put money into stocks you can't afford to lose, though. Don't spend your rent money. That's the only advice I have that I know is pretty reasonable to say. True. Um, but... If you do want to get rich really quickly, no. Um, anyway, so um, invest in Geeks Under Gray stock. We have stock now. It's a new thing. Uh, so our last story. Um, I, I guess this is something more for you, uh, Malachi. Um, Toshihiro Nagoshi uh, stepping down from Sega's board of directors uh, to remain at the company as creative director. Um, so not actually leaving the company. He's just, um, I, I guess, like, he's really just, like, voluntarily being demoted, I suppose. Yeah, but, he's changing positions more to focus in one particular area, looks like. Yeah. Um, well, most companies, the board of directors doesn't really get paid. They're just kind of people that have a say in things, but... I don't know if this would be a demotion so much as like, hey, let me focus on making games and less on this business stuff. Oh, okay. Less yeah. of a demotion and more of a, a shift of focus, yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm intrigued by this because to me, you know, the longtime fan of the Yakuza series, long time enough, Negoshi is kind of very much the face of it as in the same way as you have visionaries like Kojima for the Metal Gear Solid series. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a great picture going around of the difference between Nagoshi as a Super Monkey Ball dev versus Yakuza dev. <laughs> uh, and in the first picture, he's kind of looking very childlike and innocent. Next picture, he has like this leopard skin coat on and he's sitting on a throne. Um, but he really does embody the character of the Yakuza and his fascination with it. And and uh, I almost wrote a whole article at one point about how Nagoshi basically put his career on the line to make Yakuza happen and how it mirrors the protagonists that take these big decisions, these risks where they're willing to gamble everything um, for a chance at success and to save the ones they care about. Um, so I'm hopeful, you know, he'll still be involved in this. I'm glad it wasn't a, I'm glad it was all voluntary. Like at the most I care about him doing what he's passionate about. And it seemed like he's taking more of a focus on the game rather than being involved in the huge business side. So I'm glad that he's doing that. It's not quite as much of a crash and burn as, you know, like Kojima, uh, where that happened. And so, um, 
no matter what, I think the series is going in a great direction. And so I hope he'll continue leadership. And if not, he's still in a position where he can appoint someone that will take the head of that. So I think it's positive news overall. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it is noted in this article at the at the bottom that um, the the move was just announced as the company company is undergoing internal changes with Sega Sammy um, splitting apart. Uh, basically, Sega Group Corporation will be dedicated to video games, while Sammy Corporation will cover uh, Pachinko. Um, and like, I, I mean, it is what it is, but I, I think, I think overall, this is actually really good because then it's like, there's, um, there will be a more focused interest in uh, the video game department for Sega, uh, which like, um, I, I guess like it is good ultimately just as a whole for Sega because it's kind of like um, Sega Sega is really only good in some of its franchises and then really bad with with its other ones um, so hopefully with this change um, you know like the qual like the quality and the interest in all these games will start to go up and have a more clear goal in mind as opposed to like these conflicts of interest with this going well, yeah, on. Yeah, not to compare things. It's hard to it's hard to compare because Pachinko is just so much not a thing in the West, but I guess it is a big money maker because again, with the financial incentive, that's exactly what happened with at Konami is there was a decision where they chose this other facet of entertainment over games, like just because they were more consistent money makers, it does cost a lot of money to make a game. Yeah. And so I think splitting them up will actually be more helpful because there's a more of a consistent focus on games. I personally, I love Yakuza, but I'm also a lifetime Sonic fan. And so really like to see some more focus on Sonic team, being able to make good content. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's irrelevant. What's going on here. It's, my own personal childhood wish hopes and dreams, but yeah, overall pretty good. I think. Okay. Uh, forgotten favorite, forgotten Sega franchises. Go, G- go, uh, super monkey ball. I, I think that's pretty underrated. We haven't had a super monkey ball game in forever. Honestly, it's just good clean fun. Derek Sega RPG. Go. I'm a Nintendo fanboy. I don't know what I've played by Sega period. Honestly. Uh, there's Fantasy Star. Uh, there's um, oh shoot, what Fantasy... else is there? Oh, uh, there's Fantasy Shining Force. <laughs> They're on my to-do list, but I haven't ever really tackled them. There, there's Shining Force. That that could be a thing that could come back. We could use another Fire Emblem competitor, right? Like, like Shining Force Two and Fantasy Star Four are highly regarded, but they're also like 25, 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, actually, I don't know. I mean, I guess for me, it's like I would like to see a new Virtual Fighter game. Um, I haven't played Virtual Fighter in forever. It's good. I've actually never played it, so uh, that's kind of why I want a new one to come out. It was it was a good franchise. That was influential on 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 fighting games. It's definitely one of the the core pillars of 3D fighters. I would say. Um, it's kind of surprising I haven't done anything else with it in a while. Yeah. 
they they did announce a while back um that they're doing like an esports thing with it um although it's difficult to say if it was also like a a franchise resurrection they just said it was something esports related so i don't know what that entirely means is the problem because the most recent uh virtual fighter game is close to 10 years old already um so they kind of have the bad habit of killing off their franchises. It kind of happened after they dropped out of the console market, but yeah. slowly but surely, franchises just kind of started dying out, and we haven't seen any of those games in a while. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, David, do, do you have a favorite Sega franchise? Are you secretly a Golden Axe fan? No, I grew up with Nintendo. I have oh. almost zero knowledge of Sega, aside from Yakuza. Wait, Hang on, actually, are are none of you Streets of Rage fans then? I like Streets of Rage well enough. Oh, okay. I mean, I I've described Yakuza as kind of a three D Streets of Rage in terms of how its combat works. Um, so, but I don't. I never played. I didn't play four. I need to. Actually, That's all actually, I, to say. <laughs> I actually I think it's kind of funny that I even bothered to mention Streets of Rage because I'm actually not that big of a Streets of Rage fan. I'm more of a uh, I'm more of a Fatal Fury, or uh, wait, no, uh, oh no, I'm I'm blanking on it. Uh, what's the Capcom one called again? Is it just Fatal Fury? My mind says Double Dragon, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, so. no, that's not it. Oh shoot, oh no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tick off so many Capcom fans. I'm sorry. I thought it was a Capcom fan, but I guess I'm not. If I can't even remember this one, I may have thought of a game. I had a Dreamcast, actually. That's the only Sega system I ever owned. Um, but uh, Skies of Arcadia was that by them or was that by a third party? It was. That's pretty. That's pretty good RPG. Uh, Samuel, were you thinking Final Fight? Final Fight. There we go. Yeah, Final Fight. I was always Hagar because I. I want it to be the big dude. I got a great character, so I want to do that. Should I just... Okay. I'm sorry. I, I gotta do this, because... <laughs> Let's, uh... Let's see what we got here. Uh... No, not Sega Arcade games. Okay, let's just look at Dreamcast games because we don't want to be here for too long. Um, nope, nope, nope. I and mean, I really like Sonic Adventure too, but I've slowly found them in the minority of people that actually think those games are good. So. You know, I I, th- I think that's the other thing too is just like um, when when I think of Sega, I I'm kind of hard pressed when it comes to Genesis, even though there were a lot of there are a few games on the Genesis that I really enjoyed. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I I really think Dreamcast. And even then, I don't really think of the first party games. I think of more of the third party games like, um, like Power Stone, um, Cyber Troopers Virtual On. That was one of my most favorite games, but <laughs> I really only played the arcade version of that one. Um, Oh yeah, I guess. Oh yeah, they could bring back Daytona. That could be fun. 
Um, I can't really think of anything else, unfortunately. I, I guess I could. I guess they could bring back Death Crimson, if any of you guys know about oh, that so one. Well, no idea. Nope, no clue. Really? Not okay. Oh man, story time. You can okay. play with a light gun, though. People love light guns. This is how you know somebody's a Sega fan. Hey, anybody heard of it? Hey, hey, anybody? Anybody? No. We had good games, I swear. Alien Soldier? No. Okay. Anyway, uh, actually, no, we're we're not going to talk about this one because it it's more of a curiosity piece. And if you know, you know. That's all I'll say. Uh. Oh man, yeah. Like, what else do you even think of when it comes to? Like old Sega. Maybe I should look at. Um... Oh, was Grandia in house? I mean, you got a Shenmue. That's kind of that was kind of their big flagship series yeah, I for guess a while. So. But that kind of went and out. And they the window. tried to bring that back, and it didn't go well. And I'm still mad. Yeah. I was waiting for Shenmue three. Uh... House of the Dead is a great old Sega franchise. Which one? House of the Dead. Oh yeah, that's true too. Well, I I mean. I always, I always tied that with arcade, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think of Sega's arcade games a lot, like Outrun. That's true. Um, is a classic as well. Yeah. Typing of the Dead. That's a classic. You know, honestly, I would really like if they just came out with a PC version of all the House of the Dead games, in some way. I would buy that. I think it would do well. in a heartbeat. Um, oh, I get. I guess there's also. Um, the Jet Set franchise. Oh man, now we're having a nostalgia trip. I really <laughs> like those games. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. King of Fighters. That's a classic. Yeah, but that's SNK. That's not really a Sega franchise. That's true. Right? That's part of yes on the Dreamcast. That's the thing. Is like I'm, I'm like, quickly trying to scan this, but it's like most of the games that I know, I know are third party and. I don't know many of the first party ones. Um, I don't know. I guess we could look at the Genesis real quick. Uh, uh, there is Afterburner? <laughs> I don't know. People liked Afterburner. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I'd be down for a shmup anytime, so... That's not really a problem. Artifact? No, that's SNK too. Oh yes, Balls 3D. That's the one that needs to come back. I don't obviously. know why I remember that game. <laughs> have Have you played it? I've actually never I've played not it. Not played it. I've heard of the, I've heard of rumors. But okay, it's, it's certainly a game. I, I just watched. Um, all, all I knew about it was just um. Uh, watching a Cat Icarus video of him playing that game, but it wasn't even on the Dreamcast; it was on the PlayStation. So, oh no, nothing really from here really strikes me as as Sega really. Oh no, okay, I I'm gonna stop it here because. We'll have a Sega day at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Where we'll talk about all the games that no one's played. I'll I will 
do my research so I can talk about it more properly. Uh, as a true Sega fan, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, Not a true Sega fan. If you haven't even played Sonic and the Black Knight. Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> way to call out the Sonic fans with that one. Uh, I've played way too many weird Sonic games, which is most of them, honestly. So. That's fair. There, there were quite a few interesting ones. Um, I wasn't really a huge fan of the Sonic Tech Simulator, but, you know... Um, I'm gonna cut that joke, uh, or or not. I don't know. Whatever. No, um, no, keep it. I'm sure people enjoy it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, with that, with that awkward joke and just ousting myself, um, we will move right into our topic discussion. Uh, Derek, once again, uh, you have the board for that one. Uh, I'm so happy to have to that I can rely on you for interesting discussions. So this got me thinking because, um, well, Mass Effect's remaster is coming out, so people are hyped about that. But I have replayed, I, I did a platinum run for Cold Steel 1, 2, and 3. And then recently for a review, I played Cold Steel 4. And I cannot, for the life of me, convince myself to go do a platinum run for this. And so I'm just try, trying to figure out kind of what everybody's kind of bar is for when you replay a game, how fast you replay a game. Um, you know, is it? How do you how do you how can you tell if a game is worth replaying? You know where do you, how do you decide? I think we should actually start with David because he's he's already starting FF Seven R again, which is just mind boggling to me. Because I I took it to GameStop the minute I was done with it. Honestly, granted, it is a pretty interesting choice to just go back to all of a sudden. So I'm interested in that as well. Um, in regard to just general uh, replayability, it's for me it just depends on how much fun I had. If I have enough fun, then I'll go back whenever I can. Otherwise, I just let it go. But as for going back to FF7R, it's just because I want to get that Platinum Trophy. And I haven't had much time to play it recently. So now that I can, I'm having a lot of fun with it again. And I'm remembering just how much I loved it. Yeah, I mean, you gotta keep some of simple sometimes. If the game is enjoyable to play and you want to go back to that, that makes sense. So, so David, with FF7R, is that New Game Plus? Like, do you did you keep all your levels? And how hard? If you're doing you're doing hard mode, right? Like, how hard is it? It's you can just select chapters as you want. So it's technically a New Game Plus, but also not. You you keep all of your levels and material and all that. Um, but I haven't braved hard mode quite yet. I'm maxing out as much as I can before I do that. I played a beginning chapter, and it took me a good half hour to finish one early battle. Oh, wow. So now I'm scared. I think what I figured out with the Cold Steel series was that there's two games between um, the Sky Trilogy and the Cold Steel quadrilogy and i hadn't played those when i played cold steel 3 and that's kind of like the infinity war of the series when everything comes together and so after i beat it i was like i gotta go through this crap out so i went back and played those games then i did one two and three again and i think because i have the full picture now i don't have as much incentive to do cs4 again because i kind of feel like i got most of it the first time 
So I think I need to give it a bit more space. It's like, well, if I remember most of the plot, then I'm not as interested in going through it again. You should still go for the platinum just for the completionist. I know it is really bothering me, but I haven't done the first five games, like the Sky Trilogy and the other two. Yeah, but uh, you're old steel games. You've got the platinum for those. You, you might as well just finish. Yeah, but like the second run takes like 50 hours. I'm sorry. This just sounds like John's to me, uh, Derek. Like what? Just sounds like John's. Uh, excuses. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, got it. <clears throat> I, for, I forgot. But I could Not everyone's going to know that joke. Sorry. <laughs> I could be playing, you know, Tokyo's Xanadu X Plus, which is like, like knockoff Cold Steel. <laughs> okay, fine. As soon as I'm done with Xanadu, I will put it, I will queue it back up just for you guys. Oh, I mean, if if you really must... Like, I know we begged super hard for you to do that. I'm proud of you. He left. Oh. I begged him too hard. I caused him so much pain. Oh, what about you, uh, Malachi? Um, so I, I've admitted before when we talk about backlog golf, but uh, I will be honest in the fact that I'm not good at completing games, much less replaying them. And so I'm trying to think to me that I, I guess that means that I'm, I'm uh, a little more picky when it comes to why I'll replay a game or what makes it replayable for me. Um, because it takes a lot of focus for me to actually make it all the way through a game. Either I get stuck on a park, get frustrated with it, or I kind of lose the zeal I had towards the game initially. Um, and so beating a game generally requires a lot of focus to get through, but I can think of a handful of examples and I would say the most a game can do to make me want to replay it is to, number one, have a compelling world, a world that I really enjoy staying in and playing with. Um, or Sorry, I'll, I'd say a couple factors, but either a world that's unlike any other or a gameplay element that's unlike any, any other that just feels a certain way and is worth playing. Um, and if I'm going to give it a second playthrough, that means that it has to have something that it's compelling enough for me to, to play it again, but in a different way. I don't like playing a game again immediately afterwards if it's going to be the exact same as my first run through. Mm. I'm thinking specifically of uh, Fallout New Vegas, which is one of my all-time favorites. It is the only game that I've ever beaten the main campaign and then immediately turned around and made another character to play through it again. I've never done that before. And it was mostly just because of the fact that I finished the game and still felt, I guess, unsatisfied. I was like, there's more to do here because the game tantalized me so much with all these different quest lines and the different options and the ways to experience it. So the first time I played through the game, I was a, a super long-range, stealthy sniper character. Second time I played through, I decided to go through the world in an entirely different way, where it was like, you know what? We're just going to be a guy that only uses a hammer and can smash people into the stratosphere. And that's how I played it. And you know what? It was a lot of fun the second time around. I got to the main villain, and I, I literally barged into his camp and murdered every single other character and then slammed him across the map, and that was it. Um, and it really it, it changed the experience because I was able to go through a game world that I really came to love, but in a different context. Even how I approached situations, I was much less stealthy, and so certain parts of the game opened up, certain parts of them closed. Um I guess that's important to me is there has to be some reason for me to go back beyond just completionism. 
uh, something about the experience, I guess. I have a question about that related to what Malachi said about experiencing it, the game in a different way. So it is pretty popular nowadays to have some, some sort of player agency, whether that's choose, you know, who the character marries or choose kind of maybe even the entire plot, like, like Kotar where you end up light or dark. Um, I'm generally not a fan of player agency because I feel like it sacrifices plot, but in terms of replayability, I guess it helps. I, I'm curious whether you think it's worth a game having multiple paths for the sake of replayability, or would you rather have a more complete story you go through once? Um, I, I, I don't think it necessarily has to take away from the complete, completeness of the story. I think it just, I don't know. I, I think it has to be built from the ground up with the intention of giving multiple different experiences because you can absolutely either put it into a binary where it's just like you make one choice at the end of the game and that's, ooh, that's the dark choice or the light choice and your character just looks slightly more evil and it's just like, do you save the orphans or do you punt them across the room? Um, that's your binary right there. And so that doesn't feel like it's really like you gave much thought to it. But I think when it's done well, you can have games that are vastly different in how you experience them because they're built from the ground up to reflect that. I, I think you, you mentioned Kodor, and I, I actually think that, that plays into the game's main themes really well with the player choice because you can tell it was built into the story itself where it's like you slowly, as your character, discover who your player actually is, and then you get to choose, just as the main character does, what their destiny is, how they reflect that news they just received about themselves. Um, and so I think that's a good example of it being used well because it allows the player to really interact from the perspective of the main character. Um, and, you know, uh, first season of The Walking Dead is also a good example of a game that does that well. But I think it has to be built very intentionally like that. You can't just do what a lot of games do where they build essentially a full story and then tack on a few kind of minor decisions to make make you feel like you're actually doing something. I don't like that very much. Like Mass Effect 3. I guess I can agree with that. And, and I think the game that I've replayed the most was I actually did all four runs in Fire Emblem Three Houses, which when I first sat down to play that, I did not think I would. Actually, I remember the director saying before it came out that this game has 200 hours of gameplay in it. And I said, that's stupid, but I did get to 160. So. Yeah. And even then it's like, uh, when we did our, uh, collaborative article for that, um, when you told me your total play time, I was like, dang, cause I, I feel like I took much longer and it felt like you kind of sprinted through that pretty easily. Um, I got through two of them really quickly, and then I did the DLC, and then I went back for two more, but that they were pretty far apart. Because you don't talk to everybody, right? That's true. But the, the, the fourth run, I did not talk to anybody. I just, I didn't do any paralogs. I was just, get me to the end. Okay, well, that does change it a little bit. Um... You could have hit 200, though. Yeah, I think there's 200 hours of content for the David Corys out there but not for the Derek Thompson. Well, I'm over 100 hours, and I'm still only on my second playthrough, so... That's nuts. <laughs> wow. Oh, I, I might be in the 80s. I'm, I'm nearing 100 either way. That's still a lot. I think it still fits, though. Um, yeah, I've, I've just been uh, 
going through my Steam library, just um, looking at games that I listed as like games that I had the most fun with. Um, not many of them uh, I would consider. I would consider games that like you would normally replay, like something. Something like Legend of Zelda, which some people say they could, they can play over and over again at any point. Um, I beat I beat Twilight Princess at least three or four times, I think. Mm -hmm. So Zelda doesn't fit in that category for me. Yeah, for me, um, just looking, just thinking about the games that I have completed, um, I think like for me, uh, I like games that are more arcadey. Or, or arcade like rather so you know roguelikes uh roguelikes obviously fit into that category uh i suppose i suppose in a way bioshock almost fits into that category as well because they're not terribly long games um like i think even bioshock infinite uh only takes maybe like I don't know, maybe ten hours to get through. Uh, if you're taking it, it be slowly. like two or three days of soft gameplay, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I think of uh between Bioshock One and Bioshock Infinite, I played Bioshock Infinite the most. Um. Which which is weird because I don't really hold that game in high regard anymore, despite the fact that I played through it like uh, close to three times actually. Uh, it's fantastic. last time. Last time playing it on a, a 1999 mode, which was a... Oh, boy. It's fun, especially the ghost fight. I that. <sighs> Don't remind me about the ghosts. Oh, my goodness. That was probably the part where I realized, man, I, I think this gameplay is, like, horribly flawed when it comes to, like, these types of enemies. Um, but, uh, yeah. It's a uniquely... Unfortunate boss fight in terms of how it's balanced, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think, like, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Platinum games, and uh, there are a lot of those games that I have replayed on multiple times. Um, although I will say, uh, with a lot of their more recent games, um, they uh, they're a lot more lenient as to like what exact what exact parts you want to play uh you want to play over again so like um Metal Gear Rising Revengeance uh it lets you go in between chapters um so like for me it was like I really wanted to fight the bosses again because I really like the bosses in Metal Gear Metal Gear Rising um they're not just fun fights they're they're also like great set pieces every one of them um uh, despite how kind of hilarious uh, the story is in that game. Uh, and uh, Nier Automata actually has that same feature too. Um, like at any point, you can go back to certain parts um, within the game, not just chapters, but also sections within chapters, like before a key event happened, if you wanted to like go back to a certain point or to fight a boss again or to go back and pick up a side quest you may have missed. Um, 
So Sam, what you said at there, there at the end, I think you hit the nail on the head, which is there's a distinction between like playing through the whole game again, like a playthrough and like replayability. So a good example of that is Horizon Zero Dawn has the setup where you go and you, you know you might beat the main quest and you then you load it back up and you're right before the last boss, but anything you need for a trophy you can still do. Nothing is missable. So then you've got another you know twice as long as the campaign was to go do everything. And as far as I can tell. I don't see a reason why games have to be set up differently than that. I vastly prefer that to, hey, you have to start from the beginning to get this trophy. Like, part of the reason I want to play CS4 again is I want to do all the side quests, and I want to do all the stuff I miss and talk to everybody, but I also don't want to, like, sit through all the plot again. Because those cutscenes are long in that series. I don't know if you've noticed that yet, David. <laughs> uh, yeah, they can be. Can you skip them in Cold Steel, though? Yeah, but there's a, there's enough. I don't know. I'm torn on skipping them too because there were there's like a two or three cutscenes that I really want to hear what they said again because some of it was kind of hints at what's coming next, but I don't remember which ones they were. So it's like okay, I guess I'll suffer through this. But I, I really like the idea of setting up games so that you do the main quest and then it's like it kind of turns into like, hey, it's still open world, still do everything, and and not having to start over. That I mean that makes me want to go back to the game. I've, I've played Horizon Zero Dawn probably 40 hours past the original 30 because it's easy to just boot up and go, I'm going to go do this thing, I'm going to do this. Yeah, out of boredom, I went back and, and because I got a PS5 and it looks great, I went back to the, um, there's like the platinum trophies and then for some reason the in-game collectibles and trophies are a different set. So I went back and did all that because I could and the game doesn't like make me, punish me for wanting to restart and do all that stuff. Um. Uh, j just to go back, just to go back to me. Um, I I'm thinking about games that I have replayed before. Uh, and like the there are surprisingly a couple of RPGs that I've actually been willing to replay through again. Um, I know for a longest for the longest time. Uh, I'll play through Pokemon Gold on Game Boy Color. I think I've ever played that game actually like a total of five times maybe. But technically, um the first time I had to scrap because I kinda I kinda screwed myself over and came and kinda came to the Elite Four with a really terrible team, uh, to the point that I, I basically had to scrap it and just try again straight over from the beginning. Um but yeah, like it, it's gotten to the point where I can play through that game pretty quickly and easily. Like, I I basically know all the places I have to go after each uh, story point, I suppose. And it's fairly easy to just skip dialogue in that game too. Like, there's not really anything particularly long, except maybe um, when you beat the Elite Four. Uh, and then you have to wait through the credit sequence and then uh, again and then have to go through it again uh, when you beat uh, Red at Mount Silver. Um, but uh, two, two, two other games in particular where um, I could easily see myself replaying them uh, despite their length and um, and I suppose difficulty somewhat. Um, 
Okami, I could see myself playing, even though I know how, um, even though I know how terribly long that game is, uh, I, I, I dread so those cutscenes. Uh, some of them are unskippable, unfortunately, and it's really hard to make the dialogue go faster in those games. But it's uh, Okami, I could just pick up really easily and then just go back to that uh, very particular point in time where Okami came out and it was this weird, weird little game that was called, that was called like uh, a Legends of Zelda clone that nobody complained about and was also the most beautiful game ever that sold terribly well. Uh, like I, I can just pick up Okami again and just take myself back to that time when I was a kid and was just like uh, taken away by how beautiful that game is and how, and how like surprisingly awesome that game was despite the fact that you had to fight the same boss like five times in total i think by the end um it, it was just it's just a great experience but but then i also think about um uh shimigami tensei nocturne which is uh one of my most favorite jrpgs and it it's kind of crazy like i've i've only completed it twice but I can easily pick up that game again and replay almost at any time. Like that's how much I love that game. Um, it's not perfect. Uh, and it's definitely archaic, like even for PS2 standards, like there's no dialogue or anything like that or any, um, or any like uh, out of engine cutscenes, I guess. But I kind of like, I kind of like that for what it is because it's like it's kind of like a time capsule of seeing an old Nintendo game that's playable on a PS2 and um, and I, I guess it's also part nostalgia because I played it when I was in high school too and it's just like uh, like parts of that parts of that game it has this really uh intricate visual beauty to it and some uh while while melancholic and um melancholic themes and uh and post-apocalyptic uh settings it's um like i i i view it as somewhat beautiful in its own in its own way and i guess for me it's like that that type of game I replay it I replay it uh, purely purely for the aesthetic and also um and I I suppose somewhat the story as well. Although I will guess it's really just the aesthetic that I play it for for the most part. Um because like uh there are other games that I've played later on that I would consider much better games than that one like um wonderful 101 uh which is an action game and then there's also near automata which is also an rpg but that's also an action game too but i think those have like better stories um but like near automata it's kind of like it, it would uh it would definitely take me 
a considerable amount of uh, a more considerable amount of time to want to replay those games as opposed to uh, Shimagami Tensei, Okami, or Okami. Um, yeah, I don't know because like those both those games are really long. Uh, in in total, it would take maybe about like six uh, sixty hours if you knew exactly what you needed to do. Um, so I think in total it would be like eighty hours a piece if I were to play those games again now. One thing that got me thinking is I'm also considerably older than both of you, or not both of you, all three of you. And so when I was, you know, the Super Nintendo era, like I replayed Final Fantasy 4 and 6 every time they got re-released on PS1, on GBA, whatever, because there wasn't a lot of options. Um, then with PS1 and PS2, the number of JRPGs like exploded in that era after Final Fantasy 7. So it was kind of like, well, I can replay this game or there's all these other new games, particularly when you're young and your it's your parents' budget and you're not really thinking as much about your own wallet. Yeah, I think that's pretty relevant to my experience somewhat. Um and the fact that not only was I young and off a parent's budget, but I also grew up overseas and it was slightly before the area where you could really download games off the internet, um, at least on consoles. And so I think that is part of it is that I would play games over and over again and do something different with them. I mean I I didn't once upon a time, I was actually more of an, an, an achievement hunter, I guess. I, I did a three-heart run of Ocarina of Time when I was younger. And, and that was because I was bored. You drive Boredom drives the option to just play a game again, but in a different way. Um, but now I'm kind of overwhelmed where it's like, I could play Ocarina of Time again and spend a ton of hours to do a three-heart run. But I also have 50 other games that I have not played at all. So it's definitely, as you get older, the circumstances change, I think. You remind me, in high school, we did a, in Smash Melee, we did a 99 Lives four-player game on Hyrule Castle, oh and it took, goodness. like, five, it took five hours. I would never do that now. Like, I ain't got, I'm not wasting five hours on this. So, yeah, there's also just kind of, like, the idiocy of youth that makes you willing to, to do these things. I once did a 99 stock on the original Smash Bros. with my sister, and I think two computer characters. So much fun. I think I also did one of those at some point. I think everyone eventually gets to that place in Smash Bros. where you turn 99 stocks out. Uh, oh, uh, sh- sure. Yeah, <laughs> to- totally did that. Yeah, totally didn't think, man, I'm not going to do this. I-, I could waste my time doing something else. I totally did a 99 stock match. <laughs> I- okay, I-, I think the most I did was like... Um was like a 50 stock match but then we had everyone set to uh 999 um just to see like man like how many how many deaths could we cause on the screen at the same time really i think that's about as far as i got so uh sorry i i guess i'm not that big of a smash bros fan um well you had more things to do when you were a kid not really. I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like, the fir- the first game I ever actually um, stayed up overnight to complete was Disgaea Two, and let me tell you that uh, that first ending I got definitely did not make it feel worth staying up that late to do. Um, I, I I guess I would also argue that like 
the nature of video games now, there are some games that are kind of designed to to be more lifestyle like, like with gotcha games or mo- or sorry, not just gotcha games, but uh, mobile games in particular. There's also MMOs too, and if you get into either one of those, it's like if you want to stick with those games, you have to um, you have to like tack on a considerable amount of time if you want to like get some value out of out of them, I suppose. Um, but at the same time, I th- I think that's that's also just um, a case of just like deciding how much time you want to really spend with those games and um and i mean like on the other hand you know there's nothing wrong either with those games as well just because of like you know the internet and online communities you can you can connect with people uh on a on a surface level just like having those same experiences that it doesn't necessarily feel as bad just to uh just to play those games that you feel like man i kind of feel like i'm wasting my time but then getting involved in communities like you you can somewhat get more satisfaction uh out of the time you spent because um you know with like internet memes and stuff like that uh experiences become relatable and then you bond over the those relatable experiences like you know it, it it can even be something as simple as like i just want to catch a shiny or a shiny pokemon like why can't i get it and everyone goes i know that feel and just smile and nod meanwhile the hardcore fans are just laughing with their uh five pc boxes filled with nothing but Shinies from all the farming that they did, but you know that's that's besides the point. They have their own community. True. You're gonna wrap up with uh, maybe just which game you think you'll replay next. I guess I'm obligated to say CS4. Uh, Please, David. David. David's already going with FS7R, I guess. Yeah, I think he's already said that's gonna take him a while. And then after that's gonna be the original Final Fantasy Seven, so Oh, okay. Somebody's got a favorite. I'm not shy about that. Uh um, I have an answer if you don't have one yet, Daniel. Yeah, go for it. So I was actually thinking this is kind of and I don't know. I was actually thinking of replaying the original Red Dead Redemption at some point. Um, just because when we were, Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, it was actually one of my, I think it was one of my favorite gaming experiences I've had in a while. I mean, everyone that I know, my, my close little circle of friends, we all got it. We all, like, talked through our experiences. We had those moments of shock as we, like, played through the story. I mean, it was really enjoyable. And I remember, like, the night that multiplayer came out, we all stayed up, I stayed up super late to finish the story mode before we played multiplayer, and that was all we did for a couple months. And then eventually multiplayer burned us out but one of the things that surprised me when we were playing is how many of them hadn't played the original because i'd reference stuff and be like oh this is like this mini game from the original one and then they were like i haven't played that one and it's i don't know something about recapping the year that made me nostalgic for the original red dead because i really enjoyed that game um 
maybe it's time to go get back in the saddle at some point. I think it still holds up after all these years, honestly. I think there are parts that I like better than the second one, so. Um, well, I mean, uh, I'm obviously waiting until um, the SMT Nocturne HD remaster hits uh, hits our shores on Switch. Um, just because I, I just really want to get the version that has... Uh, that that does not have the featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series version. Uh, just to see how that, those fights are. Uh, but actually, um, oh god, should I even give context to this? Eh, whatever, I, I suppose I will. Um, <clears throat> so uh, from last year, I've been I started watching uh, VTubers, uh, basically known as virtual YouTubers, um, and they're. It, it it's basically the same as uh like streamers on Twitch or YouTube, but uh they have a virtual avatar, uh mostly just of cute anime girls and boys, mostly girls. Um But uh recently I I guess they got like I guess there was like a big uh big sign of approval for um from Square Enix to stream near Automata because all of a sudden, like five, like five or seven VTubers uh, were streaming um, near Automata at different intervals of time, and I'm just like, oh man, just watching them play through the game. It it makes me really want to go back to that game, uh, and uh. It's gonna feel weird because of how that game ends, and uh, if or, uh, have any of you guys played uh, Near Automata? It's on my list. It's on my play later list on Game Pass. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna be mad. I'm just gonna say you should get on that as soon as you can. Yes, even you, Derek. I know the game's rated M, but once again, I'm saying at uh, yeah, no. I'm saying you should. You should make an exception. I'm I'm serious though. Like you I feel like you should make an accept an exception, honestly. I know you're giving me that look, but anyway. <laughs> um Yeah, so uh honestly I've been thinking about replaying that game again. Uh it, it's it's honestly one of the best games that have come out in the last few years. Uh if not uh, like one of the best JRPGs to have come out. Um, but yeah, it it's going to feel weird. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully uh, uh, Shimigami Tensei Nocturne won't take too long to come out because then maybe I can just distract myself with that and I can and I can hold my my weird sense of obligation of <laughs> uh, of not trying to replay Nier Automata again, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I guess like um, for any of you watching in the comments, uh, just put down like your most favorite game that you'd love to replay uh, or even like what you consider uh, when you replay games, uh, like what you like, what you don't like. Um, and uh, leave that in the comments below. Um and yeah, that wraps it up. Uh, thank you guys for watching or listening to the podcast. Um, 
if you like this, uh, go ahead and like, like, comment, share, subscribe, all, all that stuff, ring the bell, whatever. Um, uh, I put up updates on my personal Twitter as to when these episodes come out. Um, we, I'm trying to keep it on a bi-monthly schedule uh, until things settle down and maybe we can meet more meet up more regularly uh we'll see and uh oh also um if you're listening to the audio version please rate the podcast uh i picked this up after listening to another podcast recently if you're listening to it on spotify google Podcasts, or anchor those are the big major ones that um this podcast is on please make sure to comment and rate um on those sites as well uh i'd really appreciate it honestly and uh yeah that's it and we'll catch you guys next time peace